Now, the one who protects us all from prattling prognosticators and perfidious pundits. I say, America, stay out the bushes. Look for the Union Naval. To secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the government. From my cold, dead hands. I'm concerned that if we don't impeach this president, he will get reelected. It's time for the Alan Nathan Show. Here he is, the longest-running nationally syndicated centrist host in the country, Alan Nathan. Welcome aboard, everybody. Welcome aboard. I'm ever yours, Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Thank you so much for joining us. If this is your virgin voyage, allow me to share with you our mantra. Folks, we want the Republicans out of our bedroom, the Democrats out of our wallets, and both out of our First and Second Amendment rights. We feel there exists this cavernous gap separating the two orthodoxies and that it's a gap comprised of many degreed thinking people who can argue quite passionately in shades of gray. And to that end, each and every show we have fine guests to help best illustrate this point. Today is no exception. Also, if you wish to hook up with us on the web, it's www.alannathan.com. Don't forget that email address, alan at alannathan.com. That's A-L-A-N. Coming at you live and strong each and every Monday through Friday at this time. Don't forget the classic Alan Nathan show, Saturday, 6 to 7 p.m. And overnight Sunday mornings, 3 to 4, all times Eastern. We are indeed a Main Street Radio Network production. Please check us out at MainStreetRadioNetwork.com. Feel free to avail yourselves of our nascent but always robust Twitter and Facebook options. Options that we have there for you. And of course, with great dispatch and alacrity, we love to thank our distributor, the Salem Radio Network. That's right, the Alan Nathan Show is entering its 25th year of national syndication, all thanks to you. Reaching about 800 towns and cities across a couple of hundred radio station broadcasts each week again, all thanks to you. And by the way, I don't care if you're part of the authoritarian left or perpetually clueless right, please get out of the thought control business. Our topics du jour, as you may have heard, well, Manhattan D.A. Bragg wants to prosecute Trump for violating 2016 federal campaign finance laws using a three-bank shot without the cushions to get there. Why? Because the statute of limitations have expired. Also, the Fed's already found insufficient evidence, and his witness witnesses really lost credibility a long time ago. Stormy Daniels? Michael Cohn? Are you kidding me? So WTF, Bragg, get your stuff together. Also, bank records show that communist China companies gave the Biden family like over $3 million through a family associate right after then-Vice President Biden left office. But we're supposed to believe that access was never sold and that there's currently no conflict of interest. We're preoccupied with Trump over a non-existent crime, more so than we are with Biden over a very real series of crimes. How does any of this make any sense? How does it? And by the way, before I get to my illustrious guest, indicting anyone for constructing a legal uh, non-disclosure agreement driven by a perfectly legal purpose to keep an accusation of infidelity secret, these things do not a violation of federal campaign finance laws equal. All right? And this is especially the case when federal law enforcement is, for whatever reason, grotesquely okay with censoring a far more egregious revelation surrounding the Hunter Biden laptop story, thus blatantly committing election interference. Again, none of this will survive overall adjudication, unless, of course, functionally illiterate arguments can now be taken seriously. We have assisting in the opining and analyzing, old friend of the show, one of my semi-regulars, General Tom McInerney, U.S. Air Force retired, once the third highest-ranking official over there at the Pentagon, He's a commentator, military analyst, co-author of the highly praised work entitled uh, Endgame, The Blueprint for Victory in the War on Terror. He co-wrote that with General Paul Vallelie, a U.S. Army retired. Uh, General McInerney, good to have you back. How are you today? It's great to be back with you, Alan. And again, congratulations on your 25th year in this business. You're doing fantastic. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's coming up in three months. We're in the 25th year, but as of June, it'll be 25 complete years. And... uh, yeah, we're, we're very happy with it. We're very, very happy with it. Uh, sir, I want to dive right into some specifics here. Um, you know, you, 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 you've got people like Andrew McCarthy, former assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, uh, George Washington law professor Jonathan Turley, also Harvard law professor emeritus Alan Dershowitz. They all believe that uh, 
any action taken by uh, Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg against Trump will be overturned on appeal. Um, again, uh, the 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 statute of limitations has expired. Uh, also, as uh, Greg Jarrett points out, who's a legal analyst over there at Fox News, you you know him personally. He points out that even if the statute of limitations hadn't expired, just looking at the law itself, his case would be untenable because Bragg, quote, skipped over the part about dual-purpose contributions. That is, if money paid serves a double or ancillary function, then it is not a reportable expense or donation to the campaign. Hence, no crime was committed. This is even if the statute of limitations hadn't run out. No crime would have been committed. And he also points out that this has been Trump's argument all along. He did it primarily for personal and commercial reasons, uh, end of excerpts. And once again, scores of attorney weighing in on this have agreed. It looks as if the left collectively have bitten off far more than they ever could have chew, than they ever could chew. Isn't that fair to say? Absolutely. Alan, you have done a superb job of getting some of the greatest minds in the country and giving their views, which are correct. This is a sham. And uh, what I want to add to it, though, is uh, President Trump is under protection of the U.S. Secret Service, which is the U.S. government. And he clearly, clearly must not go to a facility where the Secret Service would feel that he'd be endangered. So they've got to be very careful where they would bring him. He is the resident of Florida right now, and clearly, uh, I don't even know why he would go to New York. Uh, and and but the Secret Service is the is the issue, and if if they should not let this happen, okay, uh, where it would be embarrassing, or we where he would be subjected to other people that are dangerous, and the Secret Service couldn't protect him. So all these things. I have not heard one logical position why a Bragg is correct, and he isn't. We know it's going to be overturned, but what it does say is, and this is the important thing, the Democrats will do this, will do anything they can to try to cripple Trump. You know Bragg isn't doing this on his own. He's getting pressure from George Soros, probably from uh, Biden and a whole host of people because the Democrats want to embarrass him. It is going to ensure that he is elected again. Now they've got to clean up these uh, election, this corruption, but using cyber warfare and what's going on, which the, the Republicans act like they're dummies. As I mentioned last time, they won five Senate seats in the midterms and they didn't contest them, demand audits, which would have proven what I just the statement I made to you, let alone Trump not getting uh, uh, demanding audits on the 2020. He would have, uh, as you know, the Republicans, I mentioned last time, I believe, the Republicans were two minutes away from introducing an, a resolution on the uh, 6th November 2020 Electoral College, introducing a, uh, a, a resolution that they audit the six battleground states. That would be Arizona, Nevada, Wisconsin, Michigan, Arizona, uh, um, Pennsylvania, and Georgia. They were two minutes away from it. And then the uh, scuffle there, when they pulled them all out, pulled away from it. That was done deliberately, deliberately. Now the evidence is becoming more apparent. Six January. Yeah, it, it looks as if the videos that have been getting shown by Tucker Carlson are proving that there's been a lot of exculpatory evidence that was pushed aside. Um, and we now know that uh, the QAnon shaman, uh, who was, was actually very uh, supportive of the idea of people being controlled, behaving properly, um, he was being escorted all around. Um, he never was shown breaking into anything. Yes, he came in through the entranceway that was already broken into. I mean, you know, a lot of people walked through that, and he walked in there. But then he was escorted by uh, federal police, Capitol Hill police. And uh, you can hear him on tape saying, listen, we have to listen to our president. It's time for us to go home. We've got to be orderly, blah, blah, blah. Um, and yet uh, the prosecution characterized him as, you know, as being something akin to 
a, a Hitlerian force. So, An insurrection. Yeah, yeah. And insur- I mean, unless you're functionally illiterate, you know that insurrection does not describe what happened. That's a riot that got out of hand, uh, but was also facilitated and uh, encouraged by some federal personnel on the ground. I mean, they were escorting people around, showing them in here and showing them there. And then they want to subsequently describe that as forcing their way into the very places where they were given a, a guided tour. It was an honor guard, Alan. It was an honor guard. This Let's is astonishing. You can't They're have an honor guard point. escorting you throughout the uh, halls of Congress and the corridors of Capitol Hill on one hand, and on the other hand, characterize it as, uh, as somehow a, a, a ruckus penetration of our sacred hallways. I mean... Unless language is no longer tethered to the meanings of the words that comprise it, um, a lot of these folks are going to have their cases revisited. You're listening to The Alan Nathan Show. New research released to mark the International Day of Math reveals that math is the subject most American adults say they're afraid of, but it's also the subject they most want their children to be good at. So to help them support their children in building confidence with numbers, a new, fun and engaging computer game called Teach Your Monster Number Skills has hit the market. Junaid Mabeen is a math expert from Number Skills, and he says building your child's confidence from an early age is vital. Getting kids confident with numbers from a very young age is so important to their long-term success in mathematics. And the reason I use Teach Your Monster Number Skills with my own children is that it teaches them about numbers, about how creative and, and playful numbers can be. It's very fun and also educationally very powerful. You can download this great game today. Just search for Teach Your Monster Number Skills online. It's available on all desktop and mobile devices. Trust me, you won't regret it. This is sponsored by IBM. Job seekers, students, and career changers want to pursue roles in science, technology, engineering, and math, but aren't familiar with career options. At the same time, online training and digital credentials are emerging as a recognized pathway to opportunity. Misconceptions about the cost of training and what's required are often roadblocks to success. To tackle this and bring STEM education closer to underrepresented communities, IBM SkillsBuild is announcing 45 new educational partners. IBM SkillsBuild is a free education program focused on underrepresented communities in tech, helping all develop valuable new skills and access to career opportunities. Justina Nixon St. Till, IBM Chief Impact Officer. Technology training can have a transformational effect on a person's life. IBM is committed to raising awareness of the many roles that exist across industries in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. IBM Skills Build continues to grow with new partners around the world, working together to skill 30 million people by 2030. For more, skillsbuild.org. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Jason Derulo. I love that music connects to people all over the country. But unfortunately, so does something else. Childhood hunger. 15 million kids struggle with hunger right here in America. And yet, every year, billions of pounds of surplus food in the U.S. go to waste instead of going to the children in need. Feeding America is working to change this. The Feeding America nationwide network of food banks rescues this surplus of food to help provide meals to families in virtually every community in the United States, including yours. But they just can't do this alone. Join me in the fight against hunger in America. For more information on what you can do to get involved, visit feedingamerica.org. That's feedingamerica.org. Together we can solve hunger. Together we're feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. What is dedication? I am the father of a nine-year-old little girl and a six-year-old little boy. And I find fatherhood both relentlessly challenging and relentlessly rewarding. My daughter is biological and my son is adopted. I love them both so much. From the morning when you wake up to putting them to bed at night and every moment in between, it really is so special. And boy, is it exhausting. One thing that I fear about being a parent is the future for my children. I think a parent's job is to protect our children, but also prepare them for the world so they become good, kind human beings. But I'm also hopeful that the future holds a more inclusive and compassionate world for them. That's dedication. Find out more at fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. 
Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Every year is Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the Oasis for those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach. Once again, Manhattan DA Bragg wants to prosecute Trump for violating uh, 2016 federal campaign finance laws. The guy's using a three-bank shot without the cushions to get there because, again, the statute of limitations have expired. Okay, also the feds already found insufficient evidence. They dropped it. His own predecessor dropped it. And plus, Bragg's witnesses lost credibility a long time ago. What, Michael Cohn? Stormy Daniels? I mean, these guys have been, they haven't been just flip-flopping. They, they did somersaults. So WTF, D.A. Bragg, get your defecation consolidated because you look like an idiot. And very recently, um, somebody weighed in on this, uh, one Governor Ron DeSantis out of Florida. But before going any farther, Further, rather, let me uh, go ahead and introduce again, old friend of the show, one of my semi-regulars, General Tom McInerney, U.S. Air Force retired, a commentator and military analyst, uh, formerly of Fox News uh, commenting fame. Uh, General McInerney, appreciate you sticking around. Thank you so much. Yeah, Alan, the other thing I need to mention to you just happened this morning is the House Judiciary Committee is demanding that uh, Alvin Bragg testify before Congress in the wake of his unprecedented abuse of prosecutorial authority, as he reportedly considers indicting President Trump on charges related to alleged hush money. Now, he's also supported by, uh, that was Jim Jordan. He's also supported by Jim Comer, who is the uh, Oversight Committee, as well as the House Committee on Administration Chairman Brian Steele. So the House is introducing themselves into this, and demanding that uh, Bragg appear before them and explain his actions. This no, and I, and I want to see that. I want to see that as well. I want to see him uh, being subjected to that kind of scrutiny. Uh, I want to also share what Ron DeSantis had to say. He just came out recently and had these comments. And by the way, he's been subjected to some rather, uh, I think, shallow uh, criticism from Trump. Trump is trying to characterize him as a rhino. Uh, Trump, I think, loses that effort because... Uh, DeSantis is anything but a rhino. As a matter of fact, a lot of folks feel that uh, Ron DeSantis should be the nominee uh, in 2024 because he has all the popular policy positions of Trump without all the baggage. But let's put that aside. Here's DeSantis commenting on uh, Trump's likely indictment, at least likely as far as this moment in time is is uh, reading it. Clip four, James, if you please. The Manhattan district attorney is a Soros-funded prosecutor. And so he, like other Soros-funded prosecutors, they weaponize their office to impose a political agenda on society at the expense of the rule of law and public safety. He has downgraded over 50 percent of the felonies to misdemeanors. He says he doesn't want to even have jail time for the vast, vast majority of crimes. And what we've seen in Manhattan is we've seen the, sky, the, the crime rate go up and we've seen citizens become less safe. And so... You're talking about this situation with, and look, if you have a prosecutor who is ignoring crimes happening every single day in his jurisdiction, and he chooses to go back many, many years ago uh, to try to use something about porn star hush money payments, you know, that's an example of pursuing a political agenda and weaponizing the office. I think DeSantis did a marvelous job of summing that up, especially on the fly. There were no these weren't prepared comments or statements. Uh, he just did that on the fly, and I think he did it beautifully. What say you, General McInerney? I agree, and uh, I think it's extremely important that someone like Ron DeSantis do that, as whether as well as other politicians. And it's extremely important because what you're seeing is you've already seen it is the Democrats are politicizing and militarizing and making it lawfare. All the things that Hillary Clinton did, all the things that uh, Tara Reid was raped or attempted rape by Joe Biden, nothing has come on any of these things. So it's a one set of justices for the Republicans, none for the Democrats. And so it's very important that people like Ron DeSantis do that. And it's extremely important that the American people understand that we cannot have this. You know, Stalin's old security guy, Beria, he said, you you show me the man and I'll show you the crime. That cannot happen, and that's what's happening in America, Alan. 
No, it's true. It, it, there's no contextual proportionality when people are looking at wrongdoing. I mean, you know, they try to cite all the things that Trump has done wrong. And, and I'll admit, I'm a DeSantis guy. I hope DeSantis actually gets the nomination. But that doesn't mean I still can't be outraged by the abuses of government uh, politicizing the judiciary in a fashion uh, that actually uh, exposes some lawlessness in and of itself. I mean, I think crimes are being committed under the trappings of officialdom. I mean, when you hear the left defend brag, they say, well, what Trump did was an unreported campaign contribution. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, that's a presupposition masquerading a settled argument instead of showing how the argument was ever actually settled. Think about it. How does an, a non-disclosure agreement to keep the accusation of an affair secret rise to the level of an unreported campaign contribution when, in fact, we're talking about a, a, a law uh, or, 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 or an event that has already gone beyond the statute of limitations. The statute of limitations have already expired on this. Where's the linkage between the claim and any measurable standard of accountability and argument? I ask you, General McInerney. This is lawfare, and the Democrats are trying to be, and they're being experts at it, to a fairly well, everything they've done. We cannot accept that. That's why getting... Not only would I get Bragg up in front of the House Judiciary Committee, I would get George Soros and ask him, why is he funding left-wing prosecutors and attorney generals? Make, make Soros stand up. Soros is part of this. He's a Democrat. He's a globalist. And we ought to out all these people, Alan. It's very important that we do it. You're spot on. And so I don't think it's going to happen now. But the fact is, we've got to nip it in the bud. The Democrats are getting away too much. Hillary gets away with bleach bidding and, and grinding oh, no, she up. She wipes her, off her server 30,000 uh, classified emails with, with, with no repercussions. I mean, this, is, this isn't just selective prosecution. This is selective uh, prosecution, uh, methane-driven, doing a pole dance. I, I, and, and, I mean, look at those on the left. They're apparently cool with a, a, an existing president who apparently showers or had showered with his daughter while taking kickbacks from a son who sold access to said father's office as he lets 13 soldiers get slaughtered through his botched Afghan pullout, as he also permits over 6 million illegals to enter and also has time to run up inflation between 67 to 8.3% following a predecessor who handed it to him at 1.8%. I mean, whether it's on policy or legal transgressions, Biden is so much more grotesque than any of his predecessors. It looks astonishingly cartoonish for us to be looking at a former president about to face an indictment for that which has already expired when looking at the statute of limitations. I, I think I'm in agreement with you. I don't know that this uh, indictment will come to pass because it looks so cartoonishly illegal in and of itself. Isn't that fair to say, General Tom McInerney? Absolutely. And, and it's important that we keep this pressure up and what's it going, Alan. And not just for a little while, all the way through 2024, because uh, this, this selective application of law by the weaponized judiciary of the left has got to be crushed. From NAACP Image Award-nominated author Elise Bryant comes a new rom-com about two teens who overcome misconnections and find their way to love. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling follows two people who seemingly have nothing in common, but after a year of chance encounters, begin to think the universe may be telling them something. Dungeons and Dragons-obsessed Reggie and emotionally bottled-up Delilah meet for the first time on New Year's Eve and again on Valentine's Day and on random occasions throughout the year. They're drawn to each other, though they are each too insecure to be their true selves. So what happens once they realize they've each fallen for a version of the other that doesn't really exist? Author Elise Bryant. This is a sweet and funny romantic story in which the characters learn to overcome their fears and discover who they truly are. I hope readers enjoy going along on this ride with Reggie and Delilah and maybe learn something about themselves along the way. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling is now available wherever books are sold. Spring is in the air. 
And now's the time to spring forward with a delicious breakfast from Burger King. An all-natural Simply Orange juice. Begin your day with a sausage, egg, and cheese croissant sandwich with sizzling sausage, fluffy eggs, and melted American cheese on a toasted croissant. Or a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit on a warm buttermilk biscuit. And make it a meal. All Burger King breakfast sandwiches go great with crispy hash browns and pair perfectly with a Simply Orange juice with no added sugar. Never sweetened, never concentrated, and never frozen. Simply Orange goes perfectly with breakfast at Burger King and is rich in vitamin C. And now through March 31st on the BK app, Royal Perks members get a free single core sandwich with any Simply Orange juice purchase. Use code BREAKFAST to redeem. Get a jump on spring with breakfast at Burger King. Because you rule. At participating U.S. Burger King restaurants, Royal Perks account required. Restrictions apply. See offer terms for details. Not valid on delivery orders. Sponsored by Coca-Cola. You know that feeling? Like every door is closing and you just can't see a way out? Being unemployed, underemployed, or just out of school feels a lot like that. But when you find the right tools, suddenly everything just clicks. Getting on that path may be easier than you think. A good place to start? Go to findsomethingnew.org. At findsomethingnew.org, you have access to resources that help develop new skills. Skills that will position you for careers in today's growing industries. From healthcare and manufacturing to cybersecurity and alternative energy. Plus, you can take advantage of online courses, certification programs, apprenticeships, and more. So you can take yourself from unemployed and uncertain to empowered and prepared for what's next. Find your path to a new career today. Visit findsomethingnew.org. A message from the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when it happened. There was a sudden jolt and our submarine crashed on the seafloor. We were in total darkness. That's Dr. Dejana Figueroa, a marine biologist and STEM teacher, talking about a deep sea dive she'll never forget. It's funny, when I was a kid, I was afraid of the ocean. And there I was, two miles below the surface. But as a scientist, you prepare for that. Using our training and a little creativity, we fixed the sub and finished our experiments. The dive was just too important. Every dive gives us glimpses at things few people ever get to see. Blowing creatures, fiery undersea volcanoes. When we got back to the surface, I kissed the ground and called my mom, of course. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that dive for anything. Dr. Figueroa uses her passion for STEM to discover new things and make the world a better place. She can STEM, so can you. Check out She Can STEM for more stories and inspiration. A message from the Ad Council. This is so incredibly disturbing. Do you think there's a coincidence that as soon as James Comer comes out and exposes those bank records, that suddenly Trump is going to be indicted? I mean, you're just talking about this soft approach from Joe Biden to China. We're constantly asking, why? Why not protect America? Is it a coincidence now that Trump is going to get indicted on Tuesday after these bank records were revealed last week? Well, I don't really uh, believe much in coincidences. That was a segment from Fox News' Sunday Morning Futures with Maria Bartiromo, uh, formerly known as the Money Honey from CNBC. Um, she's amazingly uh, adept at her profession, held in the highest regard, knows her stuff. Uh, but she also comments beyond things having to do with the stock market, as you just heard. She's wondering if it's a coincidence 
that Trump's indictment, potential indictment, is coming after revelations about Joe Biden's business dealings, in which, you know, $3 million was forked over to his family um, by way of a family associate uh, after receiving the funds directly from Chinese government businesses. These are communist businesses that forked over $3 million to the Biden family. Anyway, she was talking with John Radcliffe, former director of national intelligence, about the coincidence. And he says he has a hard time believing in coincidences. And uh, I think most folks would agree with that. But uh, this is this is pretty grotesque. And you have charges being brought against the president based on a law that's already run out when looking at its statute of limitations. She goes on to speak with uh, House Oversight Chairman Representative James Comer. We've had him on our show, Republican out of Kentucky, who says that it's suspicious how the charges against Trump came out the day after he found that the Bidens had lied about receiving payments from China. Clip six, James, if you please. Well, it's very odd uh, that this would come out just the very next day after I revealed bank records, which showed that the Biden family, the president in particular, hasn't been truthful uh, with respect to his family receiving payments directly from the Chinese Communist Party. So it almost looks like it's a, an effort to detract. But at the very least, it's another example of two-tier system of justice. Well, not quite direct, but close enough. I mean, it was passed through. Um, a family associate. Uh, members of the Biden family got like about $3 million bucks uh, in payments from accounts uh, related to Hunter Biden's business associate, one Rob Walker. Uh, it all had to do with their Chinese business ventures in 2017. This was discovered by the House Oversight Committee uh, after uh, having subpoenaed financial records uh, all about the Biden family. Anyway, Walker apparently worked with Hunter Biden, uh, as well as uh, President Biden's brother, Jim, along with their business associate, one Jim's Gillier, James Gillier, and, of course, Tony Bobolinsky. We've heard of him before. Uh, these guys were all part of a joint venture called Sinohawk Holdings, uh, which was meant to be a, a, a partnership with the Chinese energy firm, the Chinese the communist Chinese government energy firm known as CEFC. Anyway, uh, Chairman Comer obtains records after slapping the Bank of America people with a subpoena, and it revealed that, quote, at least three family members received lucrative payments from a bank account belonging to Walker. And by the way, Hallie Biden, the widow of President Biden's son, Bo, was one of the recipients. And we're supposed to believe, oh, there was no selling of access. There's currently no conflict of interest. Come on. But they're always getting away with this stuff. Man, we got the deep state, man. They got the deep state. People like to, on the left, say, oh, there's no such thing as a deep state. That's paranoia. No, it provably exists. And how do we know? Because we've been told it by the Washington Post, Bloomberg, The Hill, and Politico. Both the Progressive Washington Post and Bloomberg News have reported on those comprising the deep state. So there's no way for the left to continue credibly asserting that their own publications are making it up. Here, I'm looking at an old uh, headline here from the Washington Post. Headline, resistance from within. Federal workers push back against Trump. This was January 31st of 2017. Then Bloomberg News. On the other end of the year, December 18th, 2017, what's their headline? Washington bureaucrats are quietly working to undermine Trump's agenda. Subtitle, or subtext, I should say. Across the government, career staffers are finding ways to continue old policies, sometimes just by re renaming a project. <laughs> oh, by the way, in between, you had The Hill and Politico running similar stories. The Hill's was... Quote, Trump White House clashes with resistant civil, civil servants. That was the headline. Trump White House clashes with resistant civil servants. While Politico's 
was federal workers turned to encryption to thwart Trump. Agency employees are turning to signal and other incognito forms of communication to express their dissent. It's not their job to express dissent. Do that on your own time. You don't get to use our taxpayer dollars to push a political agenda, you dumbasses. This is why a lot of folks are getting tempted to hang around government establishments on tall buildings with high-powered rifles. I'm not advocating it. I'm saying a lot of people are thinking about it. Obviously, we never wanted to see that happen. But it is a good idea for people who are violating the law under the trappings of officialdom to finally be held accountable. Because when you have government officials and bureaucrats disconnecting themselves from the very laws that require the rest of us to follow, that's tyranny. And this country has a long and storied history of knowing exactly what to do with effing tyrants. But they're protected. You see, unbeknownst to a lot of folks, is the Supreme Court case that occurred in 1985. It was called Cleveland Board of Education v. Loudermill. Now, I want to avoid any eye-gazing moments there while you're driving, so let me cut to the chase. You see, in this case, folks who have public sector jobs get to call those jobs property. And, of course, by calling those jobs property, the Supreme Court made clear that their employment is now protected under the 5th and 14th Amendments, entitling them to due process rights when facing termination. You know, the same standard of rights you'd have if you were accused of committing a crime. I mean, after all, the Constitution says that you can't be, quote, deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, unquote. But, folks, how the hell does a government job become property when that government worker doesn't have the power to do with that job the things you can do with property? Think about it. He can't sell it. He can't borrow against it. He can't buy someone else's government job. So what's to be done? you got to cancel out this insanity. This ruling that turned all non-government employees into second-class citizens like all of us. Now, folks, if you just join us, I'm worried about a deep state that remains too insulated from accountability by a SCOTUS ruling years ago that made second-class citizens out of all of us who are not in the government. How do you hold government workers accountable with the Supreme Court ruling? Again, Cleveland Board of Education v. Loudermill. I mean, by letting workers call their jobs property, you're giving them constitutional protections. Because, again, you can't be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process. So it becomes just as hard for a supervisor to fire an incompetent, abusive government employee as it is for a prosecutor to try someone for a felony or a capital offense. I mean, think about it. How can we elevate government performance and general compliance with the law without the necessary leverage to pull it off? I mean, how the hell does a government job become property when that government worker really can't sell it, he can't buy it, he can't do all the things you can normally do with property, so why call it property? And, of course, supervisors wanting to fire dead wood have to make their case at the Merit Systems Protection Board. MSPB, which 90% of the time comes out on the side of the government employee who would otherwise be sacked if they were like the rest of us, you know, an at-will worker. In other words, a private sector employee. I mean, think about it. If we can't meaningfully enough, if we cannot meaningfully enough tie someone's performance to possible job laws for incompetence or, or let's say bad faith conduct, then how can we leverage any improvement in job performance from that employee ever again? Again, the rest of the country falls in that at-will category and can be fired for incompetence or bad faith behavior. But that's not the case for government workers. That means our government, through the court system, has provably created a second-class citizenry. That would be all of us. We have to stop this by making them nervous as hell. So much so that they wind up in a fetal position on a therapist's couch day in, day out. These folks need a bloody wake-up call. 
You're listening to The Alan Nathan Show right here on the Main Street Radio Network. The pandemic is just one factor that forced companies to rethink the way they conduct business. In addition to remote employees, companies are uploading more data to the cloud and workers are using a wide variety of apps and devices. As a result, businesses are more susceptible to security breaches than ever before. For 10 years, the open directory platform provider JumpCloud has helped businesses improve security and minimize vulnerability. Security continues to be a top concern for businesses. According to JumpCloud Vice President Eric Brown, organizations need to reconsider their approach. Identity is the new center of IT and the foundation around which all IT infrastructure should be built. That's where we at JumpCloud come in. We help companies and people make work happen with secure, frictionless access to the apps and data they need with an open directory platform designed for identity transformation. To learn how JumpCloud can help your business, visit JumpCloud.com. Vitamin B12 is important for supporting not only our metabolism, but also our energy levels. Our brain and our nerves need certain vitamins like B12 in order to function properly. Even if you're eating all the healthy foods like fruits and vegetables and getting you know great sources of protein, it's sometimes the case that you can become deficient in one or more nutrient, and that's where supplements can be helpful. So if you want to support your B12 levels, Jaro's Methyl B12 is a great supplement to consider to optimize your B12 levels. This type of B12 is recognized by the body, so it's delivered to your cells more efficiently. It's also been shown that it is a great way to make sure that you're getting a highly absorbed form of vitamin B12 and one that's gonna be retained better than other types of B12. You can learn more at jaro.com. My name is Judy Teeter, and I'm the mother of three boys. My youngest, Joe, was a great kid. He loved sports, music, and his youth group. One day, Joe asked me to drive him to an after-school event, which was about a mile from our home. I was driving through a green light when a car in cross-traffic ran a red light and drove right into the side of our car, killing Joe. The driver was talking on her phone, so she never even saw the red light. She was so absorbed in her phone call. Before the crash, I didn't realize just talking on a cell phone while driving was so dangerous. Now it's something I think about every day. According to the National Safety Council, about one in four car crashes involves a cell phone. Hands-free is no safer. When you're behind the wheel, put away your phone. For Joe and for the thousands of needless deaths every year. Remember, there is no safe way to talk on a cell phone while driving. Find out more at nsc.org slash callskill. If you came across someone struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes? Their age? The way they speak? Would you notice a 16-year-old boy who got his first job, not for extra spending money, but to help feed his little sisters? Or a mother who's in between jobs and sometimes goes to bed hungry so her kids can have dinner? Or a 14-year-old girl who signs up to every after-school activity not to make friends, but just to get something to eat. Or a retiree who fell ill and had to choose between getting medicine or groceries. I am the one in eight Americans who struggle with hunger. People you pass by every day but never knew were hungry. I am hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong, and the Ad Council. The mission of Paralyzed Veterans of America is clear. Accessibility. Veterans who have served and sacrificed the best of themselves deserve access to the best our country has to offer. Access to meaningful employment. Access to the veterans' benefits they've earned. Accessible homes and vehicles. And access to every part of their communities. With PVA staff working inside VA hospitals, no other veterans' organization has provided more real-time, ongoing support for paralyzed veterans and their families. PVA is proud to serve veterans across all branches, all generations, and all conflicts. Our nation's heroes fought for your independence. 
Join PVA in fighting for theirs at pva.org. Back, everybody. Welcome back. Every year is Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the Oasis for those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach. We're talking about the craziness of a possible indictment against Trump for uh, an activity for which uh, the statute of limitations has already run out, but they're still forging ahead anyway. We're talking about the craziness of the Biden of the Biden family receiving like three million dollars from communist Chinese companies through a family uh, go-between, and we're supposed to take seriously the claim that there is no conflict of interest and that access to office hasn't been purchased. But what we really have to understand is why they're getting away with it. They're getting away with it because of a deep state that I've already referenced before. I've cited the Washington Post articles, the Bloomberg articles, the political articles, the Hill pieces, all acknowledging with great granular specificity how the deep state does exist. I can't go over the same thing over and over again. I've only got so much time. But the big question becomes, when may we revolt? When does that happen? Now, I don't think we're there yet. We have to allow for checks and bounces and reciprocal checks and bounces. Let's the system work its way out. But what happens when you have leaders and officials in government disconnecting themselves from the very laws they require the rest of us to follow? Is that or is that not tyranny? And I'd like to point out that we may only constitutionally revolt against government. In other words, use the Second Amendment option. When that government severs itself from the very laws it requires the rest of us to follow while also becoming immune to its own normal checks and balances, thus equaling tyranny. The question then becomes, are we headed there? Hopefully not. A lot of folks think we might just be. I mean, when the woke infiltrating government uh, to censor dissent through big tech allies happens, doesn't that scream the question, What's next? Given that the Constitution only permits the people to use the Second Amendment option against the tyrannical government, in other words, to ensure what's quote-unquote necessary to the security of a free state, how much more tyrannical does the DOJ and FBI have to become before that might happen? And when you look at what they did with the Hunter Biden laptop story, putting their thumb on the election, it's a reasonable inquiry. Because we get lost in, oh, ballot harvesting and machines not working correctly. But let's look at something that avoids that. Because sometimes we can't see the forest of clarity for the trees of minutia. We have to understand that when the FBI and the DOJ put pressure on Twitter and Facebook to not go forward with the Hunter Biden laptop story, they were guilty of election interference. And this is lawlessness on a grand scale. And they don't get to get away with it just because they've done this under the trappings of officialdom, or some would say under the color of authority. Where am I off base? Or am I being an alarmist on this? We have assisting in the opining and analyzing Jack Maxey, formerly with Steve Bannon's show War Room. He has provided media access for such outlets as CNN and the Daily Mail to digital copies of the hard drive in Hunter Biden's laptop. Jack Maxey, good to have you on board. And am I overstating anything, sir? Well, what I would say is uh, I don't think we're at a Second Amendment moment yet. We Nor have do I. Nor a Constitution. Do I. All, all we need are brave men and women with honor to keep their oaths. I mean, perfect example is the Congress has oversight over all these agencies. But ultimately, the buck stops there. So it's cowardly congressmen and senators who've done nothing. Remember, uh, Congress had this thing just after the election. I handed it to people. It wasn't handed over to the House until the spring of 21, but, or 22, but I handed it to Chuck Grassley and all the members of the Judiciary Committee on July 8th of 21. I gave it to the Daily Mail March 3rd. I gave it to Sweden because Hunter had a spy in their embassy. I mean, this is terrifying stuff. Uh, I also went to Switzerland last year and recovered 80,000 additional images, 125,000 additional emails, up to 300,000 texts, and another 72 hours of video. Have you that been subjected to any pressure by the uh, FBI or DOJ? Oh, heck yeah. I was uh, followed by agents in New York. I had black uh, suburbans parked out in my car before I left to Switzerland. I had agents in my hotel in Zurich. 
And it wasn't just the FBI who was following me around. But these, you know, these are, are aren't, these, sir, aren't these, sir, lawless acts? You, as a private citizen, have a right to be a, a, a citizen journalist. And if you come across, look, it, it, is, it is illegal for somebody in government to pass along classified information, but it is not illegal for a reporter to be in receipt of classified information. And just because that information might expose lawlessness of those in power does not, how, does not somehow allow it to rise to the level of lawlessness itself. You committed no crime. Therefore, these bozos had no grounds on which to predicate a justification for following you, or am I overstating it? And please understand, I say this is a social progressive who can outlift the bus, best of them. I'm just really ticked off at the way our government has been behaving and comporting itself in this area, especially vis-a-vis the Hunter Biden laptop story where the government does appear to have been guilty of election interference, or am I overstating that? No, I think Brennan Clapper, Hayden Panetta, the other 46, uh, you know, hard-charging spies who signed that false document declaring Russian fabrication, I think every single one of their security clearances need to be pulled. Number one, let's remember, these guys are still making book on those taxpayer paid-for security clearances I mean, Gina Haspel, the last head of the CIA, who I might add was station chief in London when they ran the Steele dossier scam, Pompeo made her head of CIA for the last year of Trump's administration. He's how deeply he was betrayed. She now sits on the board of directors of British Aerospace. What? So theoretically, she spent her whole life trying to avoid war, and now she's going to spend her retirement profiting from it? It's obscene. It is. It is. And they're all on the same kind of pay plan. Let me ask you something. Very straightforwardly, is it fair to say, number one, that the government has been engaged in censoring Americans by big tech proxy? Yes or no? Is it fair to say? Yes. Yes. It's okay. Now, I'm just looking at the from Twitter. Now, what I'm seeing documents. And now, the reason I asked that is I wanted it to be grounds for the following question: Is it there then? For is it there then? Fair to say that if government can censor us. They can oppress us because their practice of the first means we cannot object to the second. And that all equals tyrannical behavior, or am I overstating it? No, you're, you're 100% correct. I mean, let's just look at the way the FBI and the DOJ operate. They just destroy lives. Their lawyers are paid for by you, and your lawyers are paid for by you. That's why so many people settle with these dirtbags. And then let's look at some of the other things they did. Hunter was abusing his niece, but never protected her. The U.S. gymnastics team was being abused for five years. They never protected it. What did the U.S. Senate say to the FBI director during the oversight hearings on all of these things concerning the gymnastics? We've got to do better. Do better. No, I agree, but but I believe they also will not behave better until they get the kind of pressure that frightens the crap out of them. Jack Maxey, great having you on board, formerly with Steve Bannon's show, The War Room. Folks, You're listening to The Alan Nathan Show right here on the Main Street Radio Network. Thanks again, everybody. The opinions you hear on the Main Street Radio Network are those of the host, callers, and guests, and not necessarily those of the station, Main Street Radio Network, its management, or advertisers. The information on the Main Street Radio Network does not constitute a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or securities. So please, consult a professional before investing. If you have any questions or comments about Main Street Radio Network, contact us at 703-719-0433 or at our website, MainStreetRadioNetwork.com.